0: Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 22 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with JJ, and if you are in my Facebook support groups, I'm sure you know JJ. He is a a fixture in our community and somebody that we all look up to. JJ is from Columbus, Ohio, where he worked as a software test engineer, but he is now retired from that. So welcome, JJ. Hey,
1: how you doing, Jen?
0: Well, I am fabulous, and I'm really glad to to have you on today. I've been looking forward to this conversation, as have, I think, many of our support group members. By popular demand, they've said, when are you going to have JJ on? And today is the day.
1: Yeah, today is today. I've been excited about this day, too, because this is definitely the most awesome lifestyle.
0: Wonderful. So I like to start off by asking... What brought you to intermittent fasting? How did you find it? How long have you been living this lifestyle?
1: If I can just kind of go back to okay. September of 2014, I had went to a amusement park, Kings Island, with some friends. And uh, it was dollar day. I'll never forget. It was dollar day. So everything was a dollar. Coke, ice cream, slices of pizza, popcorn, you name it. And we decided that our thing that day was going to be that we were all going to ride every single roller coaster. Well, after I got off the second roller coaster, I knew something wasn't right. And I blew it off and we did that. Wasn't right the rest of the day. Wasn't right all the way back driving home. And then on September, yeah, I think it was September the 5th of that year, got up to go to work. and And that's when everything kind of went haywire, had a full bone stroke, projectile thrown up across the room like my whole world was just spinning. And luckily, someone that was there got me to the hospital and they told me, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And so after that, I was thinking, hmm, yeah, I think the universe is trying to get my attention. So uh, from there, you know, I started researching Things. I knew I needed to change my lifestyle, I knew I needed to drop some weight, you know, I needed to change some habits. And so that's when I came across intermittent fasting and decided, you know what, this is something that I think I can do. It sounded very interesting. The more I read about it, the more I learned about it, you know, I just thought that, hey, this is the route for me to go.
0: So where did you hear about it? What What was the introduction? Do you remember?
1: You know, I probably just heard about it just because I'm always reading, you know, things on the Internet, whether they're health related or that kind of thing. And so I had a little bit of prior knowledge, but, you know, I really wasn't doing any fasting prior to that. You know, maybe eating a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. I probably maybe even probably dibbled dabbled a little bit in what I would like to call calorie restriction. Right. Which I think a lot of people do, you know, I mean, they might get up and have their favorite morning beverage and then go through the day and try to get something to eat, you know, on a smaller level. But it was after that that I really, you know, kind of like just kind of honed in on really doing true fasting.
0: Right. Yeah, I think a lot of us have a background in counting calories and trying to restrict throughout the day, you know, eating the small meals, the frequent small meals and that's a hard way to hard way to live, isn't it?
1: It's a very hard way to live because I found out that even with calorie restriction, for me personally, I'm one of those people that it's like my physiology is very sensitive. So it's like once I introduce something, man, it's like it's like a drug. I'm ready to eat that's why my window is so late now because if I eat if I start eating early life is a buffet. I want to eat all day.
0: Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of us because I don't feel good when I have a tiny little amount to eat. I remember there was one diet program that was so simple. It was just eat 400 calorie meals three times a day. I'm like, that's so easy. 400, wow. 400, 400. But right. all of 400 calorie meal did was make my appetite wake up and then I was like starving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I used to try to get by, you know, with just oh, I'll just eat a handful of nuts here, and but no, that just that just like lit the fire.
0: Exactly. So when you had that stroke in September of 2014, what was your weight around that time? Do you mind sharing?
1: You know, at that time, I was I was a uh, a league bowler. I was a regional bowler, a tournament bowler, and you know, at six three, I was. I was lurking around the bowling alley about, probably about a little over 330 pounds, you know. Wow. Eating bowling alley food, and then also chasing everything down with shots of tequila and Coronas. That was the norm. Yeah. So, yeah. And at 6'3", you know, I kind of hit it and carried it probably a little bit better than most people, but the fact of the matter was, you know, I was definitely tipping the scales, you know, way over 300 pounds. And, yeah. and I could feel it. And I could just definitely, even back then, I remember, wow, how low energy was I?
0: So explain that. Explain how your energy was before versus how it is now.
1: Back at that time, I just I just remember, like, even with, like, non-invasive activities like, like bowling. It was like, you know, I wanted to sit a lot, you know. I could just tell I was just sedentary, you know, didn't want to go out and walk and do things back then. If somebody says, Hey, let's, let's go for a hike, you know, it would be like, like, why, you know, it was just a totally different vibe and frequency because, you know, back then my body was trying to tell me, you know, you're just carrying too much weight, you know, it's a burden.
0: Yeah, it was the the weight of that 330 pounds that was weighing you down.
1: It literally was, you know, I I wasn't, I wasn't active at all. I I really wasn't active at all. And, you know, as as far as like getting up and doing a little bit of exercise or calisthenics, you know, it was like, oh, I'm going to start this. But, you know, it never materialized, you know, so it was just like, whatever. And then you just kind of, you know, the rate of recidivism is high. And you just kind of backslid into old habits.
0: Right. Yeah, it's hard to carry that much weight around. You know, it's hard on your joints. It's hard on your body. It takes a whole lot of energy yeah. to move that much weight around. I remember what it was like when I weighed 210 pounds, you know, just trying to move through the day. You know, to having to walk up a flight of stairs was hard.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely no fun.
0: Well, contrast that with now. You know, you move through the day differently. What does what a day of, of movement look like for you, JJ?
1: Oh, today it's, it's like a totally different constellation. I mean, now, well, first thing I notice is that, you know, I don't require that much sleep. I usually sleep from about 2 a.m. to about 7 in the morning now. And then when I wake up, I feel like fully recovered and rested. Normally I wake up in the morning and just after I give my thanks, hit the floor, you know, push-ups. Jump out my door, a couple of chin ups off of the steps of my apartment. And that just kind of like really kind of energizes me and stretches me and gets some blood pumping and gets me ready for the day, you know. But now that energy is just there, you know. It's like I look forward to it. It's like it's almost actually like the energy that I have keeps me intoxicated so that I'm just ready just to go out. Fortunately for me, I live like five minutes away from a thousand acre park.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And
1: so every single available day when the weather's, you know, cooperating, I just go over there and just hike, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours, you know, and I just can't imagine a life without it now.
0: So you no longer have the low energy. You probably couldn't be sedentary if you tried, could you? No,
1: no, no, not at all. You know, my family, sometimes they make fun of me. They was like, dad, go sit down somewhere. Cause I'm like, Hey, let's go to the park, (laughs) you know, let's go do this, you know? And it's just, you know, even just observing how everybody else is just kind of sedentary and low energy. And it just really makes you realize that, you know, it's just, it's a cultural thing too.
0: Yeah. Cause we're not meant to be that way, are we?
1: No, no, actually our bodies are a machine, you know, and I, I, I truly believe in the old saying that a body in motion stays in motion, so oh, I see it every day.
0: I think that's true. And as we age, as you know, as we get older, I think you're you're ten years ahead of me, right? Well, I, how old are you, JJ? I'm
1: 59, and I will be 60 okay. on yep. October the 8th.
0: I am 49, <laughs> so yeah, you're 10 years ahead of me. And so, but very youthful, very energetic. We're going to age like we're supposed to. We're not going to just get frail and slow and sit around, right?
1: Yeah, I'm a firm believer just seeing how the years of the clean fasting has like just really changed my body. The body recomposition even amazes me, you know, because I wasn't in this good a shape when I was 40 years old, not even close. And then I just look at like, you know, like my skin, Everything is just like, it's leaving like tighter now. Right. You know, I just tell people that, you know, one meal a day, clean fasting is definitely the miracle elixir. And then they look at me like I'm kind of crazy, but I, I believe that with my whole heart.
0: I really do too. And I know that you share it frequently with people in your daily life. How many people would you say that you've, in your daily life, people that you see, have you talked into doing it? How many people do you know that are doing intermittent fasting now?
1: You know what? Because I had like my regular family life, but then there was another subset of people that I interacted with when I was in the bowling circle. I'd probably say that there's about 10 people right now that really seriously have kind of delved over into the fasting, the OMAD lifestyle, and I always emphasize the clean fasting part of it. Right. About, about, about 10 people. Some of the guys, once I really got into it, some of my buddies in the bowling circle, you know, they would kind of rib me, you know, just kind of in jest. They would be like, oh, Lord, here comes John making us all look bad <laughs> because they remember the old John. Right. And some of the guys would be like, John, my, my wife said that I need to do whatever you're doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love you it. You
1: know, so but it was all but it was all in fun. But one friend of mine that I grew up with, actually, his name is Tony McKee. And I've known Tony probably 55 years. And, you know, his weight had ballooned up and he was just, once again, low energy. And he didn't tell anybody. He just started doing it. He would correspond with me and say, you know, I've fallen off, but I've gotten back on. He's already dropped close to like 48, 49 pounds, just shy of 50 pounds. Wow. He didn't start this until like November.
0: Wow. He's doing great. Yes. So you never mentioned how much weight you've lost. I know people always like to know because that inspires them.
1: At one point, it was like 110, maybe close to 120, but then my body readjusted. You know, I had this vision that I was going to get back to my college weight, which was about 200 pounds. Uh But then over time, I realized that my body is really happy, energized, and functioning well at 230 pounds. You know. I know people get so caught up in that scale number because I look at myself and I'm like, wow, I don't really feel like or think I look like somebody who weighs 230 pounds. But with the body recomposition and the lean muscle mass and the exercise that you do, it's you know, it's been over four years, going on five years for me. It definitely changes everything.
0: Yeah, I think that probably. Tell me if this is true. You're so physically active. And you you do, you know, the hiking, you do the you said the the push ups, the chin ups. Mm-hmm. I would bet you have put on a great deal of muscle over that time. So you mentioned the body recomposition. So even though your weight, you know, quote, went up, I bet a lot of that is muscle, don't you? It think? is.
1: You the, the lean muscle mass and, and the thing about it is, you know, perception is definitely not reality. Because I'll meet people and they'll look at you and they'll be like, man, you look like you go to the gym and you probably spend a couple hours in the gym. And then when I simplify it and tell them, like a lot of the customers that I engage in the store, I'll be like, yeah, I eat one meal a day, get up every morning and do one set of push ups and one set of chit ups. And they look at me like, like, really? It's that, that simple? You know, and I'm like, yeah, it really is that simple. But then you also couple the fact that, I would probably estimate I probably got probably thirteen hundred days of daily push ups and chin ups under my belt. And so over time you kind of literally force your body to comply. You know, I call it I call right. it bending my reality. And so, you know, you can't have but something to show for it over time, you know. And once again, for me, getting up and doing that every morning is kind of intoxicating. It's just a part of my daily routine. Only takes five minutes, but the benefits and the payoff is just, you know, immeasurable.
0: That's fabulous. And so. You've been doing this continually since 2014. Like, did you immediately start off at one meal a day? No, no, no. Did you work your way up to it?
1: I worked my way up to it. in the In the beginning, you know, I was I started off like a caveman, as I like to call it. I was a good old 12 and 12. You know, I wouldn't eat anything from 12 midnight until 12 o'clock the next day. And I remember in the beginning, I usually have some kind of an over the top smoothie. Around noon or one o'clock. And then later on in the evening, you know, I would think, man, I need to load up on some food. So I'd have like two or three plates of food. And I was just like, and then one day it just kind of hit me. I was like, this is a waste of time. And I don't even need this smoothie at noon. Right. So one day it was just like, I just let all that go. And I was like, you know what? I, I can make it to my quote unquote dinner window. And so once I started doing that, I was still kind of stuck with thinking that I needed to load up with all this food, you know, an appetizer, two to three plates of food, a dessert, and then my favorite beverage to wash it down. So it's it's definitely a learning curve and learning that there really is no lack, that there's no reason to have fear to arrive at where I'm at now when I realized that even just one plate of food is an absolute abundance, you know.
0: And the whole idea that we don't need to eat that quantity of food that, that you started off eating.
1: Absolutely not. It was just, it was just overkill. You know, I would just, after those three plates some night, I'm just sitting there like, man, I just, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. It was it was actually ridiculous in the beginning, the amount of food that I would try to cram into my window. And you can do a lot of damage in a 12-hour window. I mean, you can oh, yeah. even you can even do a lot of damage in a 4 or 5-hour window.
0: Oh yeah. And I think the key is your body was telling you from the way you felt after eating that much food that it was too much food, right?
1: Absolutely. I knew it was too much food, but it was also a part of me coming to grips with my a lifetime of eating habituation, just a straight out food addiction. I mean, I'm a foodie. We all love food. I have all my life. My mom got me cooking when I was 12 years old, and so I've always liked to experiment. And you know, you know me, I almost put anything together and try it once.
0: Right, right, you yeah. Know. Your your meal photos are famous.
1: Yeah, so you know, but then you realize over time that you know, as I like to call it, our intelligent design is really a very low, a low maintenance existence. It really, really is.
0: Elaborate on that a little bit for us.
1: Because what I mean by that is that when you think about it, if we as a human species were a high maintenance, you know, entity or whatever, how you want to call it, that it's almost like we would have perished. Right. You know, and I even think of the stories that um my mother used to tell me about her father's father Leander Cecil Holly senior who was a freed slave he told stories about maybe getting a couple of meals a week Wow and I would think to myself, well well how did I how how did I get here how did we get here you know and then what this has really taught me, I think I made a post about it not too long ago is that, First and foremost, our bodies are just like an energy silo. And they are constructed to go long periods of time without food, if necessary. Right. But your body doesn't know that we live in the culture that we live in and that it's not necessary and that there's quote unquote no famine coming, you know. All your body knows is that, you know, you shove the energy in, it's gonna store it, and If the famine comes, great, but for the vast majority of us, we're not going to have to go without a meal unless it's our choice. Most of us aren't faced with that choice, thank goodness, but we're just not faced with that choice.
0: You know, that's an excellent point. Our bodies are designed to be able to feast and famine throughout the cycles of nature and the seasons and the things that happen, but we're in a constant You know, our society now is in a constant feast mode where the famine never comes. And so it it like overloads us.
1: That's exactly true. I was just reading some some business numbers. So I think I think it was last year was the first time in history of them keeping records of this kind of thing that Americans spent about 60 billion dollars eating out and only about 55 billion dollars at the grocery store. Oh, wow! That's the first time that's ever happened in the history of that the United we spent States.
0: More money eating out than at the grocery store.
1: right, right. So we have to also realize that this is a culture, this is a business model. They want us to eat, they want us to snack all day, you know because it's it's big money. but then you look at the literal and physical obesity apocalypse that is upon us. And it's frightening. They say by 2050, that about 80% of all Americans are going to have an excess body mass index. It seems like we're already there.
0: Wow, 80%. You know, if you look at the trajectory, I believe that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're already, for all intents and purposes, we're already at 2020. So just think how fast the next 30 years are going to go by.
0: And we've discovered the key to keeping this from happening to us.
1: Exactly.
0: You know, have you ever looked at the graphs to see how, you know, obesity and how it's it's changed over time? The graphs that show like the percentage of people that were overweight, you know, 50 years ago and how that that's changed?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I just I can just have a visual of it. I just from you look at the pictures from how we were back in the 70s. I grew up in the 70s and and everybody looked like they needed a cheeseburger by today's right. standards, you know?
0: Yeah, and I can remember you speaking of a cheeseburger. I remember going to McDonald's with my family when I was a kid and you would have one cheeseburger and a small order of fries and like the large coke was the size of like like a small coke now.
1: Yeah, everything has changed. I mean, if you go to I probably go to I know you probably heard of it, Five Guys.
0: Right.
1: Oh, I love Five Guys. Oh, yeah. So I at least have to hit Five Guys probably twice a year. But, you know, it's like I usually get double the patties. It's just the mentality, you know, with bacon and all my favorite vegetable toppings and stuff. Right. You know, but literally, you know, a Five Guys with a bag of those fries, that'll sustain you for two days. Oh, yeah. Easily. You know, in our culture, that's just your lunch.
0: Right, right.
1: It's just so cultural. And the other thing that i noticed over these years is how offended people get when you kind of navigate outside this cultural norm.
0: Elaborate on that a little bit. What, what, What do you mean by that?
1: Well, for instance, like you may go to or be a part of some kind of social function. And I remember... Even at the church I was at, a woman kind of snickered and said, oh, he's not going to eat. He's one of those people who only eat one meal a day. And other people was <laughs> like and other people would be like, oh, man, you're not going to eat. You know, they want you to try their offering. They want you to try their food, you know, and I would just be like, no, it's not my time to eat. But I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make myself a very nice to go plate and I'm going to enjoy it tonight and I will let you know how I like it the next time I see you. But they're literally offended.
0: So you are delaying and not denying, right?
1: That is correct. I have made so many I'll take it with me plates or delayed plates and have it later. That's that's usually my norm. Even when I go to like family functions, you know, they're used to me now. My youngest daughter Jerica, you know, we're really close. And she's like, I know, I know, I know, Dad. I'm just going to go ahead and make you a plate. You know, and <laughs> she'll make me this over-the-top plate with everything on it, you know, because, you know, or she'll say, Dad, are you eating with us today? You know, sometimes I'll participate depending on what social event and also what mood I'm in. If I'm in the mood for it, I'll just go ahead and dig in. But if I'm not, if I feel like just kind of staying on course, that's the beauty of the OMAD lifestyle. You know, you're you're the CEO and you can weave in and out of your clean fasting lifestyle as you see fit. It's not absolute, but as you keep piecing it and keep streaming it all together, you will meet your goals.
0: That is such an important thing to, to say, because we're so used to prescribed diet plans, you know, and you are either following it or you're off plan. You know, you're either doing it or you're cheating. And so we tend to bring that mindset, that dieting mindset with us over into intermittent fasting and feel like, oh, today I decided to eat two meals. I must be cheating. I must be off my plan. But it, it's not cheating, is it?
1: No, it's it's not cheating. And actually I beg to differ. There is no such thing as cheating. You're just either extending right. you're either extending your window or, or or you're fasting. And it's your choice. That's the beauty of it. It's always your choice. And when you get further along, a social event or a family event or a vacation is not going to derail or undo all of the time and the efforts that you've put in. It just simply can't happen. Now, if you're going to go, you know, on some kind of month binge or something then yeah, you're gonna reverse some things. But just deciding that this weekend I'm gonna have a you know a two day three mat or something like that, once you get back, you know, to your normal routine, your body's just like, hey, okay. And you might gain a pound or two. A lot of it's just bloat.
2: Right. You know,
1: And no no real damage done. You know, but like you said, people you know, they're just like, oh, I fell off. And, you know, what I've learned to do, what I find out is that when I really do have those weekends where I just eat, and eat, and eat, my body's almost like in a state of shock. I can just tell it's it's literally like a food hangover.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: I'm drunk with food.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. And it doesn't feel natural anymore.
1: It doesn't feel good at all.
0: It makes me wonder how bad I used to feel all the time and just, you know, didn't realize it. Like I was constantly, I guess I was constantly feeding, you know, that feeling, trying to get the good feeling and that I got through the, you know, the blood glucose hit when I would have my coffee or my latte, you know, and then I would have a snack and then I would have another coffee latte and then I would have another snack. And so I, I tried to get that good feeling from, from the food. But really, I think I was just feeling so bad. It was like numbing my feelings, really. Mm-hmm.
1: I can give you an example of like where I was and where I'm at now. So in the beginning year for my OMAD, I would decide maybe on a Friday that I wanted pizza, right? Right. So I would get this extra large pizza. I mean, this pizza so big. It's like, do I need to tie this thing to the top of my car to get it home? And I would <laughs> I would I would get that home and I felt compelled to eat the whole thing before the night was over. I was miserable afterwards, couldn't hardly sleep. Huffing and puffing, it, it was it was it was literally food insanity. Fast forward to today on that Friday when I want a pizza, I get a medium pizza and I don't even finish it.
0: See, that's so important because, um, you know, you're in in the Facebook group, the One Meal a Day Facebook group that um, where we met in that group. And people start off frequently like you did, overeating, overindulging, overdoing. It's almost like we're compelled to overeat at the beginning. But eventually that feeling slacks off as you remain consistent with the lifestyle. Of course, people who start and stop and start and stop have a harder time. Because you never get into that feeling of, okay, now I'm ready to listen to my body because you're, you're starting and stopping. But people who consistently live the one meal a day lifestyle don't want to keep eating that extra large pizza that you had strapped onto the roof because it doesn't feel good and eventually we stop.
1: I always like to say you drop the habit when you drop the fear.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: Okay, I think in year probably in, Way into year two, I just realized, you know, what am I afraid of? There is no lack here. There is no lack. So I just in year two is when I, I really focused on coming to grips with my quote unquote full on full metal jacket food addiction because that's what it was.
0: And it took you a year mm-hmm. to get to that point, which is what is so important because people will say, you know, I've been doing this for three three weeks. weeks I I keep overeating and and Mm -hmm. I keep eating the wrong things and what's wrong with me and I'm gaining weight. And for many, it is that fear, JJ. It's that fear of You know, what if I'm hungry tomorrow or what if I'm hungry later? So I have to eat all of the food right now. And when people first come to our Facebook group, you know, people post photos of their food and somebody who's just starting might post, you know, a big meal that looks, quote, unhealthy, right? You know, by health standards of, you know, the the food police. Oh, yeah.
1: That's my pet peeve.
0: Yeah. Sometimes people will be very judgy and they'll say, Mm -hmm. you should not eat that giant extra large pizza. I mean, who doesn't know that you really shouldn't eat an extra large pizza? We all know that, right? We, 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 <laughs> we all know that. It's part of the process to learn, you know, huh, I did eat the large pizza and I didn't feel good. And so now I'm not going to do that.
1: Yeah, it definitely takes time. And I try to convey to people, especially in the group, that if you're 50 years old, you're trying to undo 50 years of personal and cultural eating habituations. It's like a total rewiring of your brain. You know, that right. that, that part of your brain that gets stimulated, that's that same area that gets stimulated when you eat food, when you drink alcohol, when you use drugs, and when you have sex. It's all that same part. And the that
0: pleasure has, center of the brain.
1: Right, and that has to all get rewired. It's a new habit. And it takes discipline. It just takes discipline all the time. And it's not going to happen in two months. It's not going to happen maybe in three months. That's why my signature thing to say to people is give it a year and then have a critical self-review. Because even after one year, you're just getting started.
0: Right. And you're also not going to hear when someone else says to you what you should eat and not eat. You know, nobody ever was like, thank you for mentioning that to me that I should not be eating that donut. Right. Oh, yeah. Donut gate. I wanted to bring up donut gate. Was it (laughs) it 2017 or 2016? When was donut gate? It was a while ago.
1: Yeah. But we all remember it well that I posted something about donuts and man, it just it set it set somebody off. Oh it man. did. And yeah.
0: and so we had I th- it might have been twenty seventeen, donut gate of twenty seventeen, and it weeded out a lot of members of the group because <laughs> they could they take were like it. they were upset that you would choose to eat donuts because you know, we get it. You know, we're only eating, you know, one meal a day if right. we're in one meal a day group, if that's our intermittent fasting pattern. And we mm-hmm. know that nutrition is important, right? What adult human doesn't know that nutrition is important?
1: But we're human. And at the end of the day, the choice is yours. And maybe I could understand if you saw me posting pictures of donuts every other day. Yeah, that might warrant somebody saying, hey, you might want to get a salad there, Yeti fella. But, (laughs) (laughs) But once in a while, I mean, you know, that's actually what I actually tell people when they are going to start really trying to try one meal a day, you know what the first thing I tell them is? I said, make sure you eat whatever you crave. Because as soon as you start trying to, quote unquote, I think I just said this, trying to legislate the plate, right? you're going to reject it.
0: And you don't just keep eating donuts day after day after day. Eventually you're like, I don't really even want this.
1: I have evolved so much. I didn't post what I ate last night because <laughs> probably probably somebody would have said something. And it was just kind of boring or mundane. But like lately here, especially in the last year, but more intensely the last few months, I have been craving so much greens. And so last night. Greens. So last night I had just this big huge plate of kale, arugula, and bok choy. And I just poured a bunch of macadamia oil nut and black balsamic vinegar and seasoned with spike. And that was my dinner last night. That's all I had.
0: And you're the same guy that had the donuts. Exactly.
1: And- exactly. It's okay. I probably want that donut, maybe Maybe once a month, if that now, or, or really I'm more famous for the lemon cupcake. I can't even tell you when I've had a lemon cupcake now. Right. But it'll have its place and it will, its time will come again, you know, or the oatmeal cream cloud cookie. I see them every day at work, but I don't know if something has changed. Now I'm never going to be a vegan or vegetarian, but I'm at the place now where I don't need meat every day. I just wait until I crave meat, you know, whether it's a piece of chicken, some bacon or whatever. I have it. I keep it moving. But right now it's like, man, my body's loving what I'm getting from the greens.
0: See, I think that's that's so important that we're, we're learning to listen. We're getting in tune with our body. And I really think that that's an important part of our success. Just like you said, eat what you crave. And let your body's wisdom take over as your craving change.
1: It will change. It, it's it's definitely going to change over over time. You know, I'm not locked into the old mindset. You know, in our country, the old mindset: Hey, it's Friday, you got to have a pizza. Well, no, you don't. Right. So it's Friday, you got to have wings or burgers or something. You know, as my daughter would call me up and say, "Dad, it's Friday, and I'm in the mood for some nasty food." I'm like, well I'm not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Uh, I'm gonna eat what my body wants and it is healthy food and it's greens.
1: <laughs> a lot of greens, a lot of lot of greens. I don't know if i I'm not keled out yet, but I've been eating a lot of kale and been experimenting with all these different exotic oils like macadamia nut oil, walnut oil, avocado oil. And of course, I gotta have spike on everything now, you know. So just listen to your body. Let it be your guide, you know, listen to your body. And as I was just telling somebody not too long ago, the scale can't talk.
0: That's true. Unless you have a talking scale,
1: <laughs> which,
0: <laughs> which sounds like that would be torture. A well, scale that talked to you.
1: Well, yeah. Can you imagine if the scale says that that you weigh too much? Somebody yeah. would throw that.
0: Yeah. Like a scale that gave you like, like rude feedback or something. I'm surprised that doesn't exist already.
1: Yeah. You know, my thing is, what, what we're into February?
0: Yep. By the time this airs, it'll be March, but yes.
1: Well, I know, but I'm just saying that most people can't wrap their mind around the concept that I have no plans to weigh myself this physical year.
0: It doesn't matter, does it?
1: And even if I were to weigh myself and the scale said 230 or 220, okay, what does it mean? You know, I just go by my energy. You know, I can go by... You know my skinny jeans. You know those skinny right. those skinny jeans will tell you when maybe you need to you know shrink your window a little bit. Not maybe eat less.
0: That's an excellent point. But
1: shrink your yeah. window. You know, right now for me, right here, right now, an uh, optimum window for me right now is probably ninety minutes.
0: So you're you're having a ninety minute window most days.
1: Most days I'm having about a ninety minute window, basically an entree and a dessert. And I'm good. I'm good. And you
0: feel good. You you don't feel like you need more food. You feel like that's enough.
1: That that is definitely more more than enough. If if I want anything extra, because I'm a lady, there like last night, I think I I remembered that I had bought myself some golden turmeric milk, and I had a couple of sips of that, and I was like, oh well, I'm done.
0: I had some golden milk last night
1: too. Oh yeah, I hadn't
0: had it in a while. Yeah, but last night I was just craving it. That's funny. It was a good night for some golden milk. Yeah,
1: the golden turmeric milk, and they sell this one that's high end. That's really really good. It's 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 turmeric, coconut milk, honey, vanilla, and cinnamon. Oh my goodness! Yum. It's, it's very tasty and satisfying. And just a couple of sips of that, and my brain was happy, and that kind of ended my window. But my actual eating window.
0: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase.
2: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500
0: So do you have some days where you're hungrier and you just feel the need to eat more food? Or you just pretty much don't need to, need days like that? Because I do. I sometimes have days where my body is like,
1: eat more food. I definitely have days when I'm hungry early in the day. I just kind of talk myself out of it. I use my long-term acquired discipline just to say, all right, find something else to do, going about your business, and then you look up, and then the time passes, you get over it, and then you look up, and it's like, oh, my window, my my window is is knocking at the door. Here, here we go, and then you're better for it by bypassing that earlier craving, because some some days I just wanna, I just I just wanna go there,
0: right. Because it's enjoyable to right.
1: eat. But the old me and the new me, the new me is able just to bypass it. The old me would have been like, oh, well, shut the door.
0: Right. So what time is your 90-minute window usually? What time of the day?
1: Since I'm working part-time Monday through Friday from 5 to 9, luckily I only live like five minutes from the store where I work at. So usually my 90-minute um, window is from 9.30 to 11.
0: So you have a really late window.
1: A very late window. But I've always been like a nocturnal eater. The later, the better for me. You know, sometimes I might get a plate of food at midnight. No problem.
0: So this is just what your body has gravitated to as the time that feels right to you.
1: Even if I eat a late window, you know, two hours later, then I might lay down or really try to spread out and relax. But yeah, the late window, the, the later, the better for me.
0: I think that's important. There is no one size fits all no, eating window. No.
1: And I've experimented. Say for instance, if I decide that, hey, I'm going to try like a noon window and eat from like noon to about one thirty or two o'clock. About ten thirty, I'm ready for round two. Right. Whereas if I bypass the early eating and just get to the later window, then I'm fine.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. You you make it fit the way your body prefers
1: to feel. Do you remember the old wives tales they would say that oh if you eat this big old breakfast you're going to eat less for dinner? Yeah, that's that's that was right. that was bull. I can go to Cracker Barrel. I remember the days of going to Cracker Barrel and getting the blueberry pancakes, the sausage, the bacon, the cheesy hash browns and the biscuits with the gravy and almost feeling like somebody needed to roll me out in the wheelchair. And then ten o'clock that night, I'm ready to hork down a pizza.
0: Oh yeah, I remember going on cruises with my family, and I was the the only overweight member of the family. My boys were teenagers. My husband's always been lean, so I was the the overweight family member. I was obese, but I remember the last cruise we went on, which was really my my turning point when I saw the photos in 2014. But I can remember making my family get up at like eight in the morning so we could go to dining room breakfast. I wasn't gonna miss a meal. I made them get up, dragged them to breakfast with me. And then like three hours later, I was dragging them to lunch in the dining room again.
1: Yeah, I've been on a cruise before. It was it was early. I remember going on a cruise back in, I think, 2000 and it was 2008. That was my one and only cruise, Cozumel. Uh-huh. And I just remember trying to eat like a whole pan of bacon. Right. You know. Just a whole pound I, well I, I had never seen that much bacon, and I just piled up all this bacon on my plate and just had like tried to make this massive BLT, but it was just back during the days of just my full thrown food addiction, but you laugh about Me it too. I, I laugh about it now, but man it was it was it was pretty sad
0: it really was, and you know I, I left that boat I remember how bad I felt. And I was like, you know, this is just ridiculous. I've got to do something. I'm obese. I I couldn't walk around a lot. And I was living for when my next food event was going to be.
1: Yeah, I I remember I gained about 15 pounds on a seven-day cruise.
0: Yeah, I don't think I weighed before I left. But (laughs) I did weigh. I wasn't weighing at that time. Mm. I was in denial. It's interesting. The two periods of my life where I didn't weigh were the period when I gained the most back then in that time frame and right now. And, you know, I don't weigh now. I don't need to weigh because I'm I'm in control. Intermittent fasting has given me control. Right. You're in but tune. back then, I'm in tune. Right. Back then, I longed to be in control, but I wasn't. And so I was just like, I'm going to quit weighing because I don't want to see. I don't want to see it. Right. And like, like it didn't really – it wasn't happening, you know. It wasn't happening if I didn't look at it. But now, you know, I did weigh myself the whole time I was losing weight. And I also weighed the first year of maintenance I weighed. And then finally, I, I quit because I didn't like to see the scale fluctuate at all. And it got me back into, you know, that diet thinking of wanting to see a number on the scale. And every month, every year that goes by where I don't weigh myself feels like more and more
1: freedom. It definitely is freedom for me. I mean, you know, as, as you get further and further into the lifestyle, you know, you just get more observant. And I'm at the place now where it's like, hey, on a daily basis, I pass my own eye test. You know, it's good enough for me. And I just hone in on my energy level. And, you know, my my tastes have changed. So it's all positive.
0: Let's talk about some of the positive health changes that you've had. You know, you mentioned at the very beginning that your wake-up call in 2014 was a stroke that you had. How has your health changed
1: well, I had another stroke in 2015, okay? Started another job, and I think it was partly stress. And then also, I can just honestly say to you that I had kind of backslid. I started drinking again, Aww. you know, and Crown Royal, tequila, beer, those were my things. And this the stress of starting a new job. I knew something had happened. I was two weeks into a job. I stumbled out of there after work one day and just drove myself straight to the hospital. And they had told me that, yeah, the MRI shows, you know, another incidence and basically had to quit that job. And then the the third one was I just wasn't feeling well and I just felt like something wasn't right. And so I went in and they did another MRI. And so the, the neurologist said, well, Technically, it's a stroke, but technically it's not. What you have is you have a small artery in the back of your brain that is totally calcified. Yikes. And he says that. But the good news is, is that it's small, it's intricate, and we can't go in and do anything about it. He says, if you behave, take care of yourself. He says, in the next thousand days, your brain will rewire itself. Well, I think that's when I really, really got serious.
0: Well, it took a a health scare for that. It really
1: did. It really did. And, you know, just kept dropping the weight. My A1C number went down to where my doctor was happy with it. You know, I was one of those people that was on the cuffs of being pre. So basically it reversed that diabetic state. My neurologist, after about a year and a half, he um, did some more tests. And he was like, I don't know what you've been doing, but keep doing it. My Fabulous. brain had kind of like rewired itself. The dizziness that I had felt before the residual dizziness from the other strokes had pretty much gone away a hundred percent. I would say I probably feel like a 1% dizziness now that I'm always probably going to feel, but I don't even think about it. And it's not even present in my life, you know? And so
0: that's just amazing.
1: Last year, after a couple of 6 month checkups cuz he was only seeing me every 6 months he's like you got a clean bill of health and he just said just keep doing what you're doing and um you're going you're going to be fine
0: i love that so, so your doctor's on board with the fasting he was on
1: board with the fasting he says i don't know a lot about it but he just said he winked at me and said whatever you're doing keep doing it
0: keep doing and, it love and it, it
1: saved my life it it Janet it, literally saved that's the reason i am here today powerful yeah that's why I'm I'm the number one cheerleader in the group, because you because are. that's that's yeah. the reason I'm here. I mean, it has it has literally saved my life. You know, sometimes um, I remember after the second one, I was so emotional because that was at a time when you know my mother she was kind of getting close to the time when she was going to pass, and I remember not even being able to tell her that I'd had a stroke. Oh well, yeah, because it just it would have been too much for her to handle. Right. Yeah. So it's it's done so much for me.
0: I know she's looking down on you and she is so proud of you. And she's with you now.
1: Oh, most definitely. Yeah. You know, my mother was a, a school teacher for 35 years.
0: I know I would have liked.
1: Oh, her. yeah. Yeah. My mom, she was the first black woman to get a master's degree in education from The Ohio State University in 1954.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. She knew what she wanted to do and she... I know she raised you, so she's was a, a brilliant woman.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was also. And then after that, she was an actress for 20 years and portrayed Harriet Tubman in a one-woman act play.
0: Oh, I love until that. Until she could
1: no longer physically do it. And she she passed away about two years ago. She was she was 80, 80, oh. 89 years old, just shy of her 90th birthday.
0: Well, I know she was an amazing woman. And also, you know, teachers and actresses have a lot in common because being a good teacher, there's a certain amount of, acting that we have to do in the classroom. Yeah,
1: because you have like so many different kids and you love them the same, but you have to teach them the way that they can best learn. It takes a little bit of acting.
0: It, it does. It does because we're on the stage and we, with our, with our students in our classroom. So we are almost out of time. I'm always surprised when we get to the end, but what would be your, your final parting wisdom? What would you like to tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you had known or just what what wisdom would you like to impart on our audience?
1: I would just like to just say that, you know, that it's it's a life changing lifestyle It is definitely the magic elixir, you know, that 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 you need to live a life of wellness, you know, to get lean, you know, to be energized, to have the clarity that you need. And that you just have to be patient and that if you stay with it, you know, you'll reach all your goals naturally. Just keep streaming it together. It's not absolute, it's not perfect. You know, people say, Oh, I fell off and this, that, and the other. Yeah, but you just get back on, you know, and if you just keep right. if you just keep streaming it together, you know, those pieces added together, you'll get to the point where something will click. And you'll just be in control and you'll just be able to leverage it on your own behalf. And then you'll just kind of take off from there. And that's what I did.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I have really enjoyed talking to you today, JJ. Yeah,
1: this was a lot and of fun. I look
0: forward to seeing some more of your meals and donuts <laughs> and greens and everything. Yeah,
1: I, I really enjoyed <laughs> this. And um, you're amazing. And um, I just want to thank you for you know having this group and helping so so many people. You know, I know it's got to be different for you because you've kind of like stepped out of the classroom. And I just want to commend you for making that intrepid move and barking on this journey with the rest of us. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you so much. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at Jen at com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com.